This morning we're going to continue our series, uh, Heroes of Faith. We, uh, we come this morning to Samson. The writer of Hebrews uh, has in the 11th chapter a list of great people of faith. And he, uh, he addresses many of them and tells part of their story and helps us understand the, the, the role that they played in God's plan and how their faith uh, allowed them to do great things for him. And then there's a very interesting statement. He says, I don't even have time to tell you about so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so and Samson and someone else. There's a, there's a list of people. He says, I don't even have time to tell you their stories. And Samson is included in that list. He does make, then, he makes an honorable mention in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. But I understand why the author of Hebrews said, I don't even have time to tell you all these stories. Because as you begin to look at the story of Samson, you can't just pick out one piece of it and have it make sense. You have to go through the whole context of the entire story for it to fully make sense and, and to flow well. And to do that, you'd have to cover uh, three, really four chapters out of the book of Judges. Judges chapter 14 and 4 gets us started with a quick summary that will help us understand what's happening in Samson's story. In, uh, in chapter 14 at verse 4, uh, Samson has uh, grown to the point where he's interested in a wife. And he sees this, this uh, uh, young lady that attracts him, and, and he's interested in uh, getting to know this young lady, uh, hopefully getting married to her. The only problem is she is not uh, of his people. She is a Philistine. And his parents start thinking, what are you doing being interested in someone who's not our people? Have any of you ever been there? You want to date a what? You want to date a who? And his parents don't understand why Samson is interested in a girl who's a Philistine. Judges 14.4 explains it. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord. For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. When you read the story of Samson, there is a tremendous amount of violence. Samson is an incredibly strong person. He is, um, in many ways, the first superhero. He, is, he, is, he has superhuman strength and can do amazing things. He uses that strength to wipe out the Philistine or to make progress in wiping out the Philistines. And so at first glance, it's a very, it's a very uh, violent story. The only way it makes sense is when you understand verse 4. The Philistines are ruling over God's people. God is here to protect his people. He has a covenant with his people. You be my people, I'll be your God. I will take care of you. Therefore, God cannot sit back and let 
an enemy rule over his people. So he has to wipe out the Philistines. Now here comes along Samson. Samson is selfish. He's strong. He's ambitious. He, uh, he likes what he likes and he wants what he wants. And God says, I can use that. Now hear that. Because Samson was not the kind of person that you and I would look at and say, he's a good quality man of integrity. Samson was a jerk. And God said, but I can still use that. That speaks to the power of God. And as I read the story, one of the things that is overwhelming to me is if God could use Samson, he might even be able to use me. So verse 4 explains the reason that Samson gets connected to the Philistines is because God is going to use that connection to wipe out some of those bad guys. All right? With that in mind, let me kind of fill you in on, on the story. After, uh, after Samson sees the young lady, tells his parents he's interested. Parents, would you go work out with her parents the deal so that we can get together? After that, the very next thing that happens in the biblical story is that a lion comes up and Samson rips and tears the lion apart. It says he tore the lion apart as if it were a, a kid goat. And that's pretty impressive until I got to thinking, I don't know how you tear apart a goat. So the first thing we see about Samson after we're introduced to him wanting to connect with a Philistine is that he can, he can just rip this lion apart. The woman that he wanted to marry betrays him and her friends wind up making a fool out of Samson. So Samson got mad and killed 30 of them. He kills 30 of them, they get mad at him they retaliate, he gets mad back, he retaliates, and this whole thing just continues to escalate. The Philistines hurt Samuel, uh, I'm Samson. Samson hurts the Philistines, winds up killing a thousand of those guys with a donkey's jawbone. Now that would make a fun movie scene. Not sure I want to see it in real life, but imagine what that would look like. And then Samson meets Delilah. Delilah seduces him and she learns the secret of his strength. The secret of his strength is that he had taken a Nazarite vow. This is a special vow that says, God, I will live my life serving you. And I'm going to show that, I'm going to demonstrate that I've been set aside to serve you by doing these certain things. Never touch alcohol, never cut my hair, never do these things. So Delilah figures out as he's explaining 
that his, the secret of his strength is the fact that he has never broken his Nazarite vow. He has never cut his hair. So she figures out, okay, well, if we can shave his head, he'll not only look better, but we can, we can steal his strength because we'll break that vow and his strength will be gone. So sure enough, she kind of seduces him into going to sleep, calls someone in, they shave his head, and he loses his strength. And we pick up the story in chapter 16 at verse 21. If you have your copy of scripture with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Judges 16 at 21. And by the way, we, uh, we are in the Bible app. If you, if you want to open the Bible app, look under events. You'll find us there and you can follow. The scriptures have all been placed there for you and you can follow along as we go. But in chapter 16, at verse 21, the Philistines seized him. Remember, he has no strength now. So the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles, and he ground at the mill in the prison. What we have here at, at the very beginning is a picture of the consequences of sin and foolishness. If you look at Samson, you, you see that he, in his selfishness, had, had not gone along with God's plan he didn't really care about doing things God's way. He wanted what he wanted, and he wanted to do it his way. And now look at where he is. His sin and his foolishness have now brought him to this point. He has lost his freedom because it says the Philistines seized him. Samson is no longer a free man, and by the way, neither are we when we allow sin to, to direct our path. We lose our freedom when we forsake wisdom, when we, when we follow after foolishness, we wind up losing our freedom. But not only has he lost his freedom, he's lost his vision. It says they gouged out his eyes. And when we live in unrepentant sin and we fail to follow after the, the, way, the way of the wise, our selfishness, our sin, our foolishness robs us of understanding. It robs us of our vision of what life is supposed to be and what it could be. Not only has he lost his freedom, he's lost his vision, he also is far from home. You see in, in that verse uh, 21, it says they seized him, they gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza. When I thought about Samson being a, a long way from home, he's all the way in Gaza, I couldn't help but remember the prodigal son. You remember the story, it's told in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. He wakes up one day and he says, Dad, um, 
I know you're not dead yet, but uh, I want my part of the inheritance because I want to go and play my own way and I want to run my own life. And he basically is saying to his dad, I wish you were dead because your will, your inheritance is more important to me than you are. Give me my money that I would get as if you were dead. And he takes his money, and the Bible is very clear. In the next statement, it says, and he went to a country afar off. The prodigal son goes afar off because that's where sin always drives us. Sin and foolishness always drive us a great distance from where we're supposed to be. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically, we wind up a long way from where home should be. And here is Samson. They brought him all the way to Gaza, far from home. The prodigal son is far from home when, it's, when he winds up in a, in a pig pen wishing he had the food that the pigs were eating. And the Bible says he finally came to himself. He stood up and he went back home. That's a picture of repentance that I want you to hold on to because we're going to come back to that in just a moment. The consequences of sin and foolishness. He lost his freedom. He lost his vision. He's far from home. And then it says he was bound in chains in verse 21. It says they bound him with bronze shackles. He was bound in chains. And our sin has a way. We think, see this is, what's, this is how, how the enemy confuses us. We think that sin is an expression of our freedom. I can choose to do that. I want that. I can do what I want. We think it's an expression of freedom, but in reality, it is that very sin that winds up shackling us, that winds up confining us, that we are bound to it and can no longer now be free to be the people that God intended us to be or to even enjoy life in the way he intended us to enjoy it. Sin winds up shackling us, confining us. And he is bound in chains. And then the last phrase of that verse 21, he bound him in bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. They put him to work. The mill would have been a big stone. And they would, they would put this stone in uh, basically a shallow trough, if you will, so that as you push the stone, it's, it rolls along in this, in this little trough. So they put the grain down in the trough. You've got this big stone, and you push the stone along through that trough so that as it goes over the grain, it grinds it. It's very, very hard work. And the significance here is Samson was made to serve the Lord. Remember, he had, he had taken the Nazarite vow. His parents had set him aside to serve the Lord. Now, who is he serving? The enemy. You see where sin and foolishness lead us? No longer serving God, no longer doing that for which we were created. 
Now we are enslaved and we serve the enemy. The consequences of sin and foolishness are very stark and very clear in Samson's story. But then look at verse 22 because I want you to notice the process of restoration. In verse 22, we see the process of restoration. And it says, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now that's significant. It's in there. I mean, we know his hair is going to grow back. Why, do, why take time in the Bible to say his hair is growing back? Because it's significant. His hair was the, the source of his strength. Technically, it was the vow behind the fact that he hadn't cut his hair. But now, the scripture says his hair is beginning to grow back. Why? Scripture is, is kind of giving us a hint that something's about to happen. You're watching TV, and it's time to take a break time for a commercial. You know the commercial's coming because the music in the show begins to build and the, the intensity of the conversation builds. And, and you can tell that the commercial's coming because they're, they're creating a cliffhanger so that you'll stay through the commercial and come back for the rest after they tell you to buy their stuff. Something very similar here. Scripture is establishing a cliffhanger. It's saying, hey, but be sure you notice his hair is starting to grow back because that's big. What happens is his hair comes back and he regains his strength. But the point is we are never restored after sinful, foolish choices. We are never restored instantly. Can we be forgiven in an instant? You bet. That's the way it works. We are forgiven in an instant. But restoration takes time. We've got to let that hair grow back. Being restored takes time. In almost every case, it takes a long time for us to move from our place of sin and selfishness and foolishness and to get up out of that pig pen and to come to ourselves and to make the journey back home. So understand there's a process in the whole thing. So we see the consequences of sin and foolishness and we understand that there's going to be a process that's going to take time for restoration. And then notice the results of selfishness. In his story, we learn the results of selfishness as well. As we continue to read, we're at, uh, we're at verse 23 now. The lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. 
Did you notice how many times the word God was used in those two verses? It's little g, God, because it's one of the false gods. But here's the problem. All of these people have gathered together to glorify Dagon, the false god. And they're giving their god credit for the fact that Samson now is it is uh, uh, confined that 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 he that they've got him what's happening dagon is receiving glory there are two significant results of selfishness that you and i need to be aware of one of them is that god loses some glory if you and I make choices based on selfishness, we get folks looking here. And if you're looking here, you're not looking there. And God loses some of his glory. My job is not to impress you. My job is to help you see and give him glory. And by the way, that's your job for everyone around you. But what happened here? They get together to praise their God. They give their God credit. Their God gets glory. And our God loses some. But that's not the only result of selfishness. Look at the next few verses there. Verse, uh, start at 25. When their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained they grabbed Samson out of prison and they brought him out here to make fun of him, to ridicule him. They wanted to be entertained by the fact that he was blind. They wanted to be entertained by the fact that this mighty, powerful, strong man now was a, was a prisoner. They, they wanted to, to make fun of him. And that's the second great result of selfishness. First, it God loses some glory. Second, you lose respect. Our selfishness puts us in a place where we lose the respect of the people around us. People are now making fun of this guy. And the reason he's here is because of his selfish choices that led to this place. But then we get to finish with the power of repentance. There is great power in real repentance. We see that pictured for us in the last couple of verses of the story, starting at verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, please remember me. I know, Lord, I know we haven't been talking lately. I know I've been separated from you. I've done my thing, my way, my time. But Lord, would you remember me? In other words, 
Lord, could we enter into relationship again? Lord, remember me. And please strengthen me only this once, O oh God. Now he's saying, God, let me do things on your terms. Would you give me strength again, God? I know it's your gift. Now it's about you. Remember me, and then would you, would you give me strength this one last time? He says, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them his right hand on one, his left on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. There is power in repentance. He came back and he said, God, could we enter into relationship again? Would you bless me one more time? And beloved, I don't know where you are today, but I have a real good suspicion that many of us are in a far country. We're not home where we're supposed to be with the Father. Many of us, because of our selfishness, our sinfulness, and our foolishness, many of us today are in a far country, shackled by our sin serving the enemy. Oh, we still have the name child of God and one of these days we'll still go to heaven. But for right now, we're in a far country. And I just want to say to you, there is power in repentance. The prodigal son came to himself. He said, this is not who I'm supposed to be. The slaves at my daddy's house eat better than I do. This is not me. And he got up and he went home. Samson cries out to the Lord, Lord, remember me. Give me one more blessing. And today, wherever you are, that's all that it takes to begin the process of restoration. God, forgive me. Remember me. Bless me one more time. Restoration begins at the point of repentance. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance means to stop what you're doing and turn around and go back home. Just stop it. And come back into relationship with God and say, God, remember me. Repentance is the first step away from sin and back toward God. So where do we start with all that? We start by admitting that we messed up. The prodigal son says, came to himself. He admitted to himself that he had messed up. In 1 John 1, 9, we're told that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. Everybody wake up and say the word all. How much of our unrighteousness will he forgive? How do we get there? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Somebody finds that hard to believe because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, he'll forgive me for cussing. He'll forgive me for speeding. He'll forgive me for lying. But I know this dirty, dark secret that I hide in the back of my closet that nobody knows. And that's too big and too deep and too heavy for God to forgive. And I'm here to say the Bible says all unrighteousness and it means all unrighteousness. And that's not because you deserve it. It's because he's that great. So he says, we begin with confession. And then we take the step of repentance. And that sets us on the process of restoration. 